Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Well, welcome, Lake Point family, and uh, hey, guys, I need your help doing something this morning. Um, Every preacher loves a good, responsive church. So on the count of three, can you guys do this? On the count of three, will you give me a big amen as if I just preached something great? One, two, three, amen, that's great. Do one more, let's do spontaneous applause. Let's do that, woo, all right, that's great. Awesome. Well, hey, if there was ever a day when I wanted our church to respond to the preaching of God's word in a unique way, it's today. Um, This is a holy moment, not just for our church, but in some ways uh, for me personally. Um, A little backstory, when I was a 25-year-old scared pastor who had no idea what he was doing, uh, and I didn't know how to preach, and what I did is I, uh, way back then, logged online and found the pastor of a church called The Journey in St. Louis, a man named Darren Patrick, and I just started downloading his sermons and listening, trying to learn how to preach. And so unbeknownst to Darren Patrick, from miles away, he was shaping uh, my life, uh, my walk with God, and my future ministry. And uh, today, we have the honor of having Darren with us. Darren planted a church um, in St. Louis that reached thousands and thousands of people for Christ. And, uh, and Darren reached a point in his life where he needed to say the word that we're looking at today in our seven word series, the word help. And so Lake Point family, um, as, a, as a personal favor to me and to give honor to him, honor is due, will you please help me right now give a big Lake Point welcome to Darren Patrick. Well, good morning. Asking for help is one of the most important things you can do spiritually. My buddy the other uh, day was uh, telling me that he was thinking about getting a new phone, and I assumed he meant he wanted my help. So I began to go on a diatribe about, about how the iPhone is the greatest invention known to mankind. You can, you can text, you can, I mean, you can see the surface of the sun. That's how powerful the, cam- the camera is on this phone. It's unbelievable. Well, he stops me midway and he said, no, bro. I'm not getting a smartphone, I'm going the other direction. And he said, I'm going to get a flip phone. I'm going to the cutting edge of 1999. And I said, why are you doing that? And he said, because I wanna simplify my life. And I'm tired of just all the stimulus and I'm tired of screens. And, and, I, and I honestly, I admired him in that moment and envied him and then I was suddenly terrified because I realized Maybe God would ask me to do something like that. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just the, the, the apps and the social media and the cool camera that, that scared me. It was the idea that I would no longer have this wonderful thing called Google Maps because I am horrible 
at directions. I don't understand it. I think I was supposed to be born in the Southern Hemisphere. When I'm supposed to go left, I go right. I don't get it. Something's wrong with my brain. I need Google Maps. And as a man, I hate asking for directions. And so I'm, I'm, I'm petrified in this moment. Uh, but, but, but what I wanna tell you is asking for help is one of the most important things you can do in your spiritual life. And we're gonna look at a passage of scripture that shows us that. And one of the things that's, another weakness I will confess, other than not knowing how to get places and being directionally challenged, is I lose things constantly. Maybe I'm just getting old, I don't know, maybe this is part of the deal, but the other day I was reading a book, and it was one of these books where you just can't put it down, um, and I'm, I'm walking around, like reading it, like I'm, as I'm fixing things and doing things and talking on the phone, and uh, I get distracted, I can't remember what happened, uh, probably one of my four kids uh, was having a meltdown, and so I had to attend to that, and I can't find the book. Now, I had not left the kitchen, and it's nowhere. I'm convinced a demon from hell has stolen this book, because it was about Jesus, and I couldn't find it, so finally I kinda give up, and I'm like, I'm gonna get something to drink, and I open up the refrigerator, and there is the book. I had put the book, and it, it, it wasn't even one of these books that needed refrigeration. I just had forgotten and I'd put it in there. And so as we think about help and as we think about this concept of power, um, sometimes those things are found in, in places we least expect them. We don't expect to find them, but there they are. And, and that's what this passage of scripture is about. Because what we're asking for when we're asking for help is we're asking for power. Power to make a decision. Uh, power to uh, do a hard thing, uh, power to have information that we don't currently have. And this passage of scripture shows us that, and I believe it is the clearest passage of scripture on how to get power, and it's, it's a strange story. In fact, um, it's one of the strangest stories, I think, in the New Testament. And if you've never encountered a strange story while reading the Bible, you're not reading the Bible because there are strange stories everywhere and they speak truth to us and I think God kind of doesn't end around on our heart that way. And so what happens is, what's happening in this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 12 is this is a, a guy named Paul who had this incredible experience. Now, Paul started off his relationship with God with an incredible experience. One day, Jesus comes to him, he's minding his own business, knocks him off his horse, blinds him, saves him and calls him into ministry. All in, one, all in one moment, that's how he started. Well then, that kind of relationship with God continued as he walked with God. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 reads, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to have visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. We're in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, and he heard things that cannot be told, which no man may utter. What's going on is, Paul has been taken to heaven. He calls it paradise. Now, we don't know, he doesn't know, if it was real or spiritual. In other words, was it in his body, or was it, was it just in his mind? Was it actual, or was it just a spiritual experience, but it doesn't matter, something profound happened in his life in this point. 
And you gotta pay attention to when God reveals things to you. It's for a purpose. And so God is speaking to him. And the, 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 the point of the story, the punchline is this. God had to bring Paul to a place where he would learn to ask for help. And this is what he does in this story. Now, as I said, just like finding my book in the refrigerator, sometimes things aren't where they should be, not where you think they would be. You find truth sometimes in places you would not think they should be. So it is with help. Because what we see is the power of help is found in the place of weakness. If you're going to learn to ask for help, you're going to learn how to be okay with weakness. And so we learn from Paul, how do we walk this thing out where we learn to ask God for help? How do we walk this out? Well, one of the things Paul does, and he examples this for us, is Paul retells his encounter with God, and that's what we can do. I'll do that right now. So I grew up rural community in Illinois, just south of St. Louis, um, blue-collar family. You know, in a blue-collar family, you change your own oil. If your roof is bad on your house, you, you fix your roof, right? You do everything yourself. That was, my dad had a 10th grade education. That was our family. Uh, dad did the best he could with the tools that he had, but he didn't have a lot of tools. And so dad le left the family when I was 12, and I just kind of went crazy in all the ways that a teenage boy goes crazy. Well, what happened was, I kind of hit a crisis point in my life, and uh, I needed to ask for help, and I went to the graduate assistant on the football team, who happened to be a Christian, I didn't know any Bible verses, and I began to talk to him, and he invited me to church. And he started talking to me about my faith. And then there was another guy who uh, kind of said, hey, um, I wanna help you walk this thing out. So after I gave my life to Christ and was baptized, he discipled me. And we have a picture of these two guys, I believe. Um, this is Rob and Joe, and, and uh, Joe is a pastor, um, and, uh, and at a church, and every year I go preach at Joe's church, and me, him, and Rob get together. We probably talk once every uh, week at least. These guys discipled me, and they loved me, and it was amazing. And, but here's the thing, it's easy to forget that experience, isn't it, follower of Jesus that's been following Jesus a long time? That was like, I hate to admit, 30 years ago. And so it helps me when I tell you my story. It helps me remember. See, when we talk about God's power in the past, it gives us hope about his power in the present. And see, you have a story, many of you. I want you to think about the year you were born, if you can remember back that far. You remember the year you were born? Okay, on the count of three, I want you to shout out the year you were born. You ready? One, two, three. 1970. All right, now I want you to think about a few months before that. You're like, I can't remember. Well, here's what was going on. Psalm 139 says, God is knitting you together in your mother's womb. The texture of your hair, the color of your eyes, the shape of your soul, your personality, your desires. He's forming all of that. He loved you before you were ever here. Now, those of you who have crossed the line of faith and you've given your life to Jesus and you've stopped trying to be your own savior and you've allowed Jesus to be your savior and, and to be your boss, and if you've done that and you remember the date, and not everyone does, not everyone can go, this time, if you can remember the year, can you remember the year? If you know the year on the count of three, shout out the year that Jesus saved you. Ready, one, two, three, 1988. 
Do you remember being freshly forgiven? Do you remember how the Bible was just this amazing book and you could not put it down? Do you remember how you could not wait to come to church, how you could not wait to pray with your new friends? How about recently, when God just brought some unusual joy in your life and you didn't expect it, but it came. And you just said, Lord, I am so grateful. Look at what you've done, look at how you've worked. I don't deserve it, I couldn't earn it, it's you, you did this. Or maybe a struggle, maybe a betrayal, maybe a health diagnosis that was hard and yet God met you in your life, in power. See friends, God has worked and sometimes the only way for us to stay encouraged, stay hopeful, stay engaged is for us to talk about it. You gotta tell your story. And this is what Paul does. He's telling us his story. He's literally showing us what God has done. This is what the psalmist said in Psalm 77, in case you need a verse on this one. I will remember the deeds of the Lord, the psalmist said. Yes, I will what? I'm gonna retell your miracles of old. When's the last time you told somebody your story? When's the last time you told somebody, I asked for God, God for help and he did this? You gotta speak about what he's done. And Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 12, he's telling us his story. He says, I had this amazing experience in heaven, but now here's what happens. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Everybody say three times. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So Paul is bringing us into his pain. Part of your story involves your pain. It's not just all the glory stories, it's the gory stories. It's not just this uh, awesome, wonderful thing. Sometimes it is the pain that makes us connect. And this is what's going on with Paul. I mean, how many times have you had something hit you in your life that you have just, you're just like, I'm, life has brought me to my knees? What if you didn't just see it that way? What if we could see that it isn't life, it isn't luck, actually there's a God behind it? There's a God behind it. What if we could see that we don't have to blame other people what if we could see that actually in this horrible circumstance or this difficult person, God is behind the scenes at work? And what Paul is doing is he's not blaming his circumstances, he's not even condemning himself. What he's saying is, I am going to respond to the discipline of God. I'm gonna respond to the discipline that comes from God, well, and, and I imagine almost, almost a movie script in this way. If you kind of go between Paul and God as the two character, characters, I think it goes something like this. God says, um, hey Paul, I'm gonna give you a glimpse of heaven. Paul's like, awesome, can't wait. Oh, by the way, God, I, I don't even have words to describe what I'm experiencing. God's like, awesome, that's wonderful. I need to give you something else. Cool, more of heaven? God, no a little bit like hell. Uh, okay, Lord, what is it? God says, I'm gonna give you this thorn. I'm gonna give you this thorn. 
Now, I don't know what it is about stuff in the Bible that's kind of strange that catches people's attention, but you become a new Christian, next week you're in the Bible study on, on, on the book of Revelation. I don't know how this works. And then the next week you're having a, a three-hour discussion and argument in your Bible study about what the thorn in the flesh was. I don't know why that is, but we, it's in our vernacular, right, as, as Americans, the thorn in the flesh. What is the thorn in the flesh? What's he talking about? Well, scholars speculate and Bible study people argue about it, but, but we don't really know what it was, except we know this, he wanted it gone. He doesn't want it in his life. How many times did he pray? Three times. Uh, a few years ago, my, um, my, my, my family was at, uh, at the lake um, that we always uh, went to, and the dock was, had splinters all over it. And my little boy back then, Drew, who now, his, today is Drew's 13th birthday, uh, and so I get to see him, so we won't sing him happy birthday, but I know you will in your heart. Um, but Drew was five, and we're getting ready to go out jet skiing. Has anybody ever been jet skiing? No one ever, and I'm talking about accidents, but no one has ever had a bad time jet skiing. It's just true. It's the it, nobody, nobody frowns on a jet ski, right? It's, it's happy, we're happy. We, we've had a hard like year, this is our first trip in the summer, and I've got three girls and one boy, and my boy has got a splinter in his foot, and he's crying. And I'm like, there's no crying on jet ski day. And so we get in the boat, and I'm like, just get over it. I'm like, it's too, and I, all, my, all my little coachisms come out from when I uh, played sports, like it's too far from your heart to kill you, rub some dirt on it, all that. You're gonna be fine. We're gonna be jet skiing. It's all good. We get out there, and we're getting ready to go and launch the jet skis, and I see my little boy, and he's just, he cannot get it together. And I'm like, buddy, what is wrong? He's like, Dad, the splinter. I'm like, I know, we talked about it, it'll be fine, you'll forget it. He's like, Dad, the splinter. I cannot not think about it. Now that's bad English, but it's good preaching, isn't it? <laughs> this, this, this describes our thorns. You cannot not think about it. Have you ever had one of those in your foot or in, in, your, in your toe or your hand and you kind of forget about it and then you bump your hand on something or you stub your toe? Oh yeah, I remember that splinter, that thorn. See, what God does with these thorns is he uses them to discipline us. See, I don't know what the thorn was. We know it wasn't sin because God gave it. I don't know what the thorn was. We, we, we know it wasn't random because it came from God. I don't know what the thorn was, but we know that it led Paul three times to ask for help from God, which is its design. And see, friends, some thorns are temporary, like a hard, difficult work situation. Some thorns are permanent, like inoperable cancer. All thorns bring us into weakness. All thorns bring us to our knees and put us in a place where the only recourse is to ask God for what? Help. This is what's going on with Paul. Now, let me explain discipline because I think we get confused about it. We don't even know how to talk about it. You know, when something hard happens in our lives, we don't have words. Uh, we say things like, God allowed it. Others would say, God caused it. Some would say, well, God permitted it. And then others would say, if they've really been reading a lot of theology books, God ordained it. 
Now, I don't know what word you want to use, what word uh, kind of eases your philosophical comfort level. I don't know what word you like. Here's what I know. God could have stopped it and he didn't. That's what we know. That's what we know about Paul and that's what we know about us. If we believe God is all powerful, he could have stopped it and he didn't. This, friends, is the realm of the discipline of God. And the best passage on discipline is in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And I wanna read from the message translation here. Here's what it says. My dear child. So by the way, stop there. If you're going through something hard, just know that's how God looks at you. You're his dear child. Yeah, but it's so hard and horrible. I know, I know. hang on, hang on, keep reading. Don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. This trouble you're in, it isn't punishment. It's training. It's training. Thorns are about training, not torture. Thorns are about purification, not punishment. The thorn in your life is an instrument from God to get you to a place where you will ask him for help. That's what thorns do. They bring us to our knees. They reveal our pride. Pride says, I can lead my own life. I can depend on my own resources. I don't need help. That's pride. And all of us have areas of our life that we have pride in. You say, well, how do you know? You don't know me. Do you ask for help in every area of your life? Probably the answer, I know it was for me, is no. There's some things, and, I, and this is the phrase in our culture, you heard it? I got this. I got this. We all have something in our life that we go, I got this. It's all good. Don't, don't need help, don't need direction, don't need coaching, don't need knowledge, don't need information, certainly don't need your input. I got this. And what God does is he permits some pain. He ordains some discipline. He allows a thorn that we cannot ignore in order to bring us to a place of weakness so that we will ask for help and receive power into our lives. Paul says, I got this thorn, if you read the text, because I was conceited because of what God did. Now think about how crazy that is. God did this and I'm proud about it. I know none of us can relate to Paul. We've never had that experience, right? You know, sometimes we go, well, I'm a self-made person. Did you choose to be born in America? If you, did, if you were born in, did you choose to be put in the, no, that was made for, like you, you, you can never get away from it, right? God, the, 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 I love this song, I can't remember what it is, and for your sake and, and, and God's, I won't sing it, but it's, it's his breath in our lungs, right? Every single thing is grace. It's all grace. And we take credit for it. So God says, I need to put this thorn, and Paul says, I don't want this. How many times did he pray? Now, he doesn't pray like we pray, right? 
This is how I pray. If, if I'm, I mean, God, uh, take this away. <clears throat> Lord, can you take this away? God, will you please, that's not how Paul prayed. We know it from his, from his life and his character and his upbringing. Probably three times of focused prayer, possibly accompanied by fasting. He pleaded with God. I don't know what the thorn was, but, but in context, friends, here's what a thorn is. The thorn is the thing in your life that you want God to take away. That's it. A bad marriage, right? A bad health diagnosis, troubled family, right? A job that you hate. See, something you want God to take away, that is the place he's trying to love you through. That's the place he's trying to rub off the rough edges of your character like holy sandpaper so that you will depend on him and trust him and love him in that place. All you gotta do is audit your prayer life, by the way. Just do a little audit. What are you praying about? What are you worried about? What are you complaining about? You'll find your thorn. It's the thing you want God to take away. If you could just go, gone, that's, will help you get on the trail of your thorn. So Paul's like, take it away, take it away, take it away. Now be careful what you pray for, right? Some of us, some of you are very wise. You're like, I'm not praying about that because you know he might answer it, right? So be careful what you pray for. So Paul prays, take it away, take it away, take it away. God, God says, oops, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's his answer. Paul, I'm not taking the thorn away because it's my tool for power in your life. Your weakness will bring my power. I want you to think about how much time, energy we take asking God to take away the thing that he's put in our lives to give us power. I do that all the time. When I look at my prayer life, it's all about low maintenance, hassle-free American dream stuff. And God just won't get on board. I don't know if you got him on board with you. I can't get him on board with my plan. Because God is committed not just to our happiness, but our holiness. And that joy is found in weakness, and power is found in weakness. And here's the principle. The weaker we are, the greater God's power is. Now when you hear the word weak, don't think like milk toast and not, not passionate. That's not what he's talking about. When you hear weakness, think dependence. God's not gonna answer our prayers to live more independently of him. Because he knows if we trust him, if we surrender to him the best we can, if we depend on him, he gets his glory and we get our joy. That's what this is about. This is about joy. This is about power to do what God's called us to do. But we have to respond to his discipline. Stop running. Stop trying to change your circumstance all the time. Stop trying to constantly work around. What if you just said, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm gonna wait. 
I'm gonna respond, and then here's the last point. I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna rest. I'm not gonna strive, I'm not gonna fight, I'm gonna rest. I'm not saying we don't fight injustice. I'm not saying you just let people walk all over you. I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I am saying is trust him. He's a, you're saying he's, God, it feels like God is cutting me. He is. But he is a surgeon, he is not a butcher. There's a difference. Butchers aren't cutting something alive. Surgeons are cutting something alive. They cut to heal. That's what God's doing. He's cutting you to heal you. It hurts, but it's for your good and for your healing. So we rest in our weakness. This is where Paul comes to at the end of the story. He says, for the sake of Christ's sin, all right, <laughs> I'm throwing my hands up. I'm content with weaknesses. And then he defines them out here a little bit. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, what? Then I'm strong. Then I'm strong. Um, I, you know, I've been going to gyms and working out for a lot of years in different cities, and I don't care which gym you go into, if it's a little boutique gym or if it's just a, you know, a 24-hour gym where there's people ever. It doesn't matter what gym, there's, there's always, not only, but there's always two kinds of people. There are, there are what I will call the grunters. You know about the grunters? Usually men with like no neck, and they're like one giant muscle from their earlobes down to their ankles. <laughs> always lifting heavy weights, always on the squat rack, always making, no, they want you to know verbally how hard they're working out, right? Now what's funny is, you watch those guys, you rarely see them doing cardio. You rarely see them doing core work, right? Now, the, the, so you got the grunters, you also have the gazelles. These are the people who have the treadmill, like on 7.8, they're running, there's a small lake forming around the treadmill. They're sweating so hard, they're running way too hard. Always doing core work, rarely do you ever see those folks lifting heavy weights. And after seeing this for years in multiple gyms in different cities, I was walking out, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It doesn't happen to me all the time, but sometimes you just feel like God just kind of bloop, just kind of drops a little sentence in your head. Has that ever happened to anybody? You just kind of feel like God just kind of speaks to you? Not, not like the Bible, like we're gonna bind other people's consciences with it, but just something for you in that moment. Has anybody ever had that happen? Or am I crazy? Yeah, so this happens. I'm walking out of the gym. Here's the sentence after watching this. Everybody wants to stay in their strengths. Nobody wants to go to their weaknesses. And friends, that's true in the gym, but you know where it's more true? My heart. Because I'm asking God all the time for a low maintenance, hassle-free life. And God's like, I'm not giving it to you because that's not what's gonna give you joy. I'm not giving it to you because that's not where you're gonna experience power. I'm gonna put thorns in your life so that you will learn to depend on me and trust me and humble yourself before me because that is what life is all about and that's when you really get in on everything that's promised in scripture. God is bringing us, friends, into weakness for our good. He's not punishing you. He's not trying to harm you. I know some people may have harmed you in your, in your life that were in authority. That's not your good God. 
That's not your good father. That's not what he's doing. He's not cutting to hurt, he's cutting to heal. But you gotta be willing to go there. And listen, he's arranging difficult circumstances and challenging people right now. Like you're in it, in it, aren't you? Like you're in it, why is he doing that? Because he loves you and he wants you to know him on the deepest level. Listen, if you can experience God in weakness and experience that kind of joy and power, you can handle anything. You say, how can you say that? Because I can quote the most famous verse in the Bible currently. I will, I, I, I will test this with you. The most famous, the verse that more people know than any other verse in the Bible, largely because of athletes tattooing it on their body and putting it on the eye black underneath their eyes is Philippians 4.13. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't do all things if you try to strengthen yourself, which is what we're doing when we won't ask for help. So would you pray with me and let's ask God corporately for help to do what he's calling us to do. Father, thank you. Thank you for this story of a real guy who is in a mess just like us. Thank you, thank you, thank you that when we read the Bible, we can see our own stories. And I pray for my friends as we retell our encounters with you. God, as we respond to your discipline and as we rest in the weakness that you're bringing us in, Lord, that we would experience power and we pray, God, that you would give us courage and strength to ask you for help. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.